0: three bunny That's three. That's three. yes bunny my friend my brother my some third thing it is time once again for all of us here at the pope on film podcast to casually mosey on down to the third and final act and it is said third act wherein we finally in eventually get around to discussing our artisanally handcrafted movie of the week and this week we continue our summer-long celebration of actor Fred Willard with a look at a comedy set in the distant future, the year
1: nineteen ninety-eight. Yep. Yeah. I remember how that totally happened in the nineteen
0: seventy-nine Fire Sign Theater. Yeah. In the nineteen seventy-nine Fire Sign Theater comedy Americathon. Yes. Now, okay. Now, I have a lot to say about this movie, but before we get there, we need to start this the way we always start with a look inside the Fred Willometer to see just how much Fred Willard is in this film. And in order to discuss this, I feel we need to discuss the director again. Because the director was Neil Israel, the exact same person who would, in a, a few years later, go on to direct the movie "Moving Violations," which okay. we did
1: years
0: ago in the year nineteen eighty-five. So Neil Israel and Fred Willard are super tight. I'm surprised that Fred Willard wasn't in uh, Neil Israel's film "Bachelor Party." Yes, because uh, what's her name? Donna Joe or whatever her name is. Was in Bachelor Party. The best friend from the show Bosom Buddies, who was the hypochondriac in moving violations, is also in the movie Bachelor Party, but Fred Willard isn't. That's surprising. Yes. So Fred Willard pops up 13 minutes into the film as presidential assistant and I guess head of the cabinet, uh, Vincent Vanderhoff. He shows up in a track suit and a gold chain looking all dashing and cool. And he sticks around throughout most of the movie. It's fairly big billing. And I like the fact that he's trying to make the telethon fail because it sets up actual conflict. And it's a good part for him. It's fairly big. And he's a big fan of ventriloquists. Yes, he is. And I think he does a pretty good job. And I like it. Bunny, your thoughts on this movie. That's a question. And here is a supplemental question. Really? How well would you do in a nationwide marijuana smoke off?
1: Oh, I don't think I would really do all that good. Yeah? In the end. Yeah, I think there are people who could who could definitely outsmoke me. You'd You'd sure. get better than me. I'm no Joey uh, Yeah. Smart. Probably, probably,
0: yeah. I'm no, I'm no Kobayashi.
1: <laughs> Rating well, this wait. one on the Willard Willardometer, the Willometer. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm I'm finding really kind of difficult because like he may not have been in this as much as moving violations, but his part was so much more central to the plot of the movie.
0: Yeah. The problem that I have with the Fred Willometer is that I think he has a much bigger part in this than he has in other things that we've done. So he's got a much bigger part. And yes, he's central to the character, but I don't think he's that funny in the film. But that's not his fault. No, I don't think this film is that
1: funny. No. And that that kind of like like this film. Like as soon as you said fireside theater, that just made a bell go off into my head because exactly how I feel about this movie is kind of how I hear I feel whenever I've heard fireside theater. Like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not killing me the humor here, but it's okay. Let me tell, let me tell you one thing, though.
0: One one positive. I've never rooted more for a car in my entire life <laughs> than I have when I saw Meatloaf versus a car. And it's like, oh, come on, car. Come on. <laughs> a new pair of
1: shoes. <clears throat> I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. I remember it having been way more dramatic than that. And more yep. action-packed, and it was like, no, this is really lame. Yep.
0: Uh, uh, sure, it's really lame, but it was nice to see Harvey Korman just a year removed from the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. Yeah, he, so he, this was like... He could never horrible. get
1: that stink off him.
0: Nope. I just wanted Harvey Corman's character to be like, "You know what? I'm going to relax with a drink and then pour it right into his head." Yes. You no. Know. So what are your thoughts on this film? On the on this film,
1: like what would your review be for Americathon? Oh, man, that is so that is so hard to say because There's so much that is accidentally good about this movie. Yeah. You know, like there is a huge. Nostalgia attached with this movie because there are so many fucking faces in it. Good Christ. That was body by Jake. Tommy Lasorda. I haven't seen
0: him in forever. Like fucking Tommy Lasorda. Doing the narration of uh, Jay Leno beating his uh, mom, Jay
1: Leno beating up his mom, like, like just for that that almost nostalgia factor alone. Yeah, you know, I, I've got to give it like a whole star for that. I because you're and it because wasn't, you're- it wasn't not funny. It just yeah. wasn't. It could have been better. There's room for yeah. improvement. Yeah. Because
0: you're you're mentioning this, I'm gonna skip to the end of my notes. Okay. Uh, this is what I was gonna close with, and maybe I still will. But it, the film has a bunch of famous people in the day, yeah. famous people in the day, in this wacky comedy about a current situation. So at the time this movie was made, the energy crisis is happening. Yeah. So let's get a bunch of famous people together and make an energy crisis comedy. And it just brought a cringe, and like like I got a chill down my spine, and I just thought, God damn it! There's gonna be a coronavirus comedy. Oh totally. Oh god, and it's totally. Have the fucking um, flex tape guy in it. Yeah. And like, oh, it's 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 gonna be like, uh, oh, here comes the dancing Karens, and it's just, oh God, like, <laughs> like that's gonna be horrible. And then, a like, I'm gonna be seventy years old, like saying to my grandchildren, now come on. When this movie came out, you got to understand, uh, we were going through a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so it's like, oh, God, like when it, the coronavirus movies are going to be so cringe. Yeah. You know? And and that's what I thought when I saw this movie that like, oh, God, so many people are right now, like in front of computers, writing such shit about this.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, yes. You can yeah. totally see it. So, Every single thing is going to be set in during the pandemic. Yep. Yep.
0: Absolutely. So let's discuss some reviews. These okay. are some reviews from of the time. So uh, here's the New York Times, 1979. This isn't our boy Vincent Can Canby. Okay the most savage movie reviewer of all time. He did write a review of this, but I don't have it on here. This is the New York Times, 1979 quote. The premise is strong enough to sustain a 15 minute sketch, but the movie has the ill fortune to drag for an hour and a
1: half. I I, got to give it to them. I got to give it to them. I, I have no argument with that.
0: Yeah. So here's a uh, uh, except, and the
1: only thing that saves it, the only thing that saves this movie is nothing that would have saved it then. Like yeah. people don't, people were not going. Oh, look, it's Jay Leno. Yeah, you know yeah. they weren't fucking doing that. He was just some schlub they got off the street because yeah. he was always hanging around. So they threw him in the movie. Yeah.
0: It's like the only reason I would see someone wanting to see this movie now is like, oh, Elvis Costello was in a movie before he got his teeth fixed. (laughs) That would be interesting to see. But, yeah, no, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I
1: I I mean, that just would not have made any difference to people who were watching it then yeah you know yeah they would yeah. not freak out because they saw goddamn bodies by Jake
0: what I was hoping to see what the fuck what is I was this
1: guy to... in anything
0: yeah. What I was hoping to see in the movie is, hey, Roger Corman, he's this pill popping actor, and we've gotten him to host the Americathon. He's going to be hosting it for thirty days. You mean to tell me you didn't write him slowly going insane for staying awake for an entire month? Yes. See, I didn't see that at all. That's an entire fucking wella comedy. Yes, you know. You show him with his tie around his forehead and his jacket off just going like i'm seeing demons <laughs> oh, triplets you know because that was always when i grew up uh jerry lewis who we have said on the podcast before has definitely created the coronavirus yes i what, I, every, what, Memorial Day weekend, he would stay up for, like, three whole days hosting the Jerry Lewis telethon, and that was always, like, the coolest thing, to see him slowly lose his shit. Yes. And he'd show up the first day, and it's like, hey, let me do a song, hey! And then the second day, he's there, send in the clowns. And then the third day, he's just like, what is that? Let's do the totals. <laughs> you know, he's slowly losing his grip on reality and I'm 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 so disappointed that Americathon didn't do that. It would have been great to have seen uh Harvey Korman lose his shit. Yes. You know, so disappointed with that. That would have been great. Uh here's Roger Ebert. Was he the fat one? He was the fat one, yes. He was the fat one, okay. Roger Ebert, 1979, quote, a puerile exploitation of one very thin joke during 98 very long minutes. How do we care about an idea that might stretch to a four-minute sketch, but it hardly can be stretched to a feature-length film?
1: um fair i i think that's a little harsh oh I think no that's a, that's a that's a little harsh for for roger Ebert.
0: we have not gotten to harsh yet my friend washington post 1979 and i quote a gross comedy that just whacks crudely away Okay. Which I think is not fair. There's nothing crude about this. It's just dumb. But it's not crude. The only crude no. thing is how offensive this movie is to Vietnamese people. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, there's nothing crude about this. Like, where the fuck do you
1: get off writing that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So bunny. Yeah, I don't beyond- I, I
1: don't see crude at all.
0: Yeah. So, Bunny, uh, when I was growing up, um, we had the most absolute basic cable imman- Im- imaginable at the time. But we would go to Douglas, Arizona, on the border between Mexico and America, and, and we, would, we would go to my grandparents' house, and it was so boring, and, and there was nothing to do. The only positive was, for whatever reason, my grandparents had HBO. Okay. 1980s HBO, in my mind, was always playing either The Shining or america Those were the two films. It's a good 19- possibility, yeah. Yeah, the 1980s HBO was always playing, and so I always caught glimpses of america but I don't think that, like seven-year-old me actually bothered to pay attention, but I knew bits and pieces from going to my grandparents' house and having nothing to do because it's the smallest town in the world. So I remember watching bits and pieces of this. I remember uh, boxing matches, and I remember this and that. And the thing that I remembered clearly is – we sold San Diego. <laughs> that was the one thing that like, oh goddamn, I remember everything about this. Tijuana Heights. Yeah. I loved that. And the all the white people were waving American flags are pissed, but but the the leader is like we're going to turn uh, san francisco into the place filled with bargains yes that the entire world will come to and
1: it's like damn that's good yeah i i kind of one feeling i had while watching this movie seeing the guy who was like i don't know maybe he was the vice president he was definitely the chief suck up the
0: guy who helped him remove the Vietnamese girl's shoes. He was calling him like right before they're gonna do it because he can't remove the shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. the guy who ended
1: up being president. I was just like, my god, I've missed you. What happened to you? I don't even know your name, but I remember you fondly.
0: <laughs> I was surprised to see, like, like I'm seeing John Ritter. In the movie, and the first thing that's going through my mind is, uh, uh, it took a while for me to realize. Like, is he supposed to be a new age wishy-washy
1: douchebag? Yes,
0: he but was. Like a, he was
1: he was, a, he was but the like liberal a- president that brought us to disaster.
0: Yeah, and it, it 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 took a while to to get to wrap my head around that because it said, uh, "Oh, he was the governor of California," and I'm like, "Okay, so Reagan." Yeah. Is what I thought of because that happened right after this movie was made. So it took a while for me to realize that, like, okay, I can picture what a New Agey liberal wishy washy would be in the '80s. Yeah. But this is 1979, so this is kind of like a 70s version of it. So it took a while for me to realize that, like, uh, oh, wait, he's a New Agey douchebag. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and then I kept seeing John Ritter and his, and, and uh, the First Lady. Yeah. And I, she looks familiar. I'm going to look her up. And sure enough, that's John w- Ritter's actual wife of 19 years, and they did a ton of shit together. Nice. And I had no idea, and I'm like, "Oh,
1: okay, then." I had I had no fucking clue. That, that that is nice, as opposed to the very very typical story. I got famous. I'm divorcing my wife. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So so, Bunny, um, uh, be a mensch and help me
1: with the plot of this film. So the plot of the film is. Uh, an old indian chief has lent a, america a lot of money in the 400 500 billion something like that it was like 400 billion wasn't it 40 billion i think 40 billion yeah uh, and and the payment is due he wants his money back so the president decides to hold a, a telethon for america to raise the money to pay the chief
0: that guy was in Little Big Man. It is, wow.
1: it is the ultimate Save the Rec Center movie. Yeah. 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 Um,
0: So this is an alternate universe where the 1970s energy crisis kept on going. And eventually the people got sick of the energy crisis and lynched uh, Jimmy Carter. I'm sorry. It was an accident. OK, you're fine. You're OK. You'll be OK. He didn't mean it. OK, it was an accident. So two things. Number one. I got to say one thing this movie taught me is that people are happier without oil. OK, yeah, I would I would agree I- with that. I mean, sure, you got to live in your car, and that sucks, but people are outside, they're fucking exercising, they're gardening, they're jogging, they're bicycling, and everyone's talking with their neighbors. People aren't cooped up in their homes when their homes are cars. Yeah. Yeah. And- See everybody outside of their cars and they're hey hey everybody hey hey let's talk let's be friends and talk and just hang out and phones aren't a thing because there's no energy and just this like i'm sure that in 1979 this was a bleak future but seeing a freeway filled with people jogging and roller skating and bicycling i just thought like god damn this is great How happy everybody is without oil and energy. Everyone's just outdoors and exercising and being healthy. That's fucking great. Yeah. Rather have that than now, you know? Like, goddamn. This was a good look. This was a good apocalyptic look at America. I know that it's supposed to be like, oh, look at how horrible America's become. But it's like, no, goddamn it. That looks great. Everybody being friends with everybody else and all the other cars. Like, yeah. damn, that's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Secondly, this movie got a number of things right about the future. Okay. First and foremost, I know that in 1979, this might have been like a crude joke or shocking or something like that. But you mean to tell me that in the future, LGBTQ people and trans people are so accepted that in the future, America's number one sitcom is called Both Mother and Father? Yeah. That's fucking wonderful. Yeah. God damn it. watch the shit out of that (laughs) hasn't that already been made fuck I don't think so I keep thinking of that movie where that one guy is, uh, is is trans later in life and then everyone like was like oh this is such a great show that Showtime or 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 whatever fucking channel is doing this is such a great wonderful show and then it turns out that he was like accused of all of this horrible shit and so they wrote him off of his own show and i forget the name of the guy he was in muppets from space as the bad guy okay i'm gonna have to there fucking it. look this up. killing me but uh oh, hold on uh It's weird that, like, he is a real famous comedic actor, but I know him from Muppets from Space. Like, how
1: fucking weird am I? Jeffrey Tambor! Jeffrey Tambor, okay. He was in this serious show. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but, but like, I know Arrested Development and all that and the the Larry Sanders show, Transparent. That's it.
1: Transparent, yes. Amazon had that.
0: Yeah, basically transparent is the sitcom both mother and father. Hmm. You know? So so they, they got that right. Uh China becomes a greedy capitalist world superpower. Yeah. Uh Russia collapses. Check. And I bet in 1979 it was a funny idea that Nike becomes this massive world-dominating superpower corporation. Yes. And here's the kicker, oh, still kicking after so many years. Hey, 1997, here's a hit from the Beach Boys, motherfucker. They were still touring in 1997. I looked it up according to Wikipedia, they did a. (laughs) Chicago in 97. So that's not like the shocking joke that it was in 1979. They were still fucking, you know? Speaking of the Beach Boys, it's a joke from Walk Hard just hit me a few days ago. Yeah. Brian Wilson was like racked with depression and drugs. And so he stayed in his bed for God knows how long, like totally fucked up trying to think of of, uh, songs for his big, massive concept album, right? Yeah. Uh, So in Walk Hard, they did that same thing, but on a trampoline. Yes. And I didn't get that joke until I was really high this week and i'm like i'm gonna go outside oh it's so nice outside look at nature i'm gonna jump on the trampoline and so i'm really high and i climb up on the trampoline and i'm jumping on the trampoline and i've been noticing lately that just things are different when you're high and like songs feel different and oh my god i care about pink floyd so much more now (laughs) And there, were, there was some day, a couple of, of like months ago, where I got so high, and I just crawled into bed, and Natasha was listening to S- Spotify and working on her uh, uh, on some like a report for college, and I'm like, I'm so fucking high, and she started playing music, and it was just like, oh my god. <laughs> This is the greatest song of all time. This is why people like the Grateful Dead. Yes. I get it now. So I've been listening to the Grateful Dead. And so I'm jumping on the trampoline and I'm super high and I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is totally different. And then I'm like, God damn it. How did I not get that joke? I saw Walk Hard like 50 times. How did I not get that Dewey Cox's trampoline was uh, Brian Wilson's bed? I'm so disappointed with myself that
1: that joke took so long. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's on Netflix, so I've been meaning to check it out again. Mm. Also,
0: we're in a pandemic. Yes. And... People are, everyone has lost their jobs, but money is still owed for rent. And so a lot of nations, a lot of uh, parts of America have stopped evictions temporarily. Yes. Judges who preside over this have stopped evictions, but there's a good chance that rent will be due very soon in the immediate future. And. Millions of people will suddenly be out of their homes. And so the idea that people are living in their cars might
1: very well become a trend. Yeah. That yeah. might still be a thing, you know? Yeah. We're not out of the woods on that one yet, no.
0: Yeah. So Americathon
1: cost $2.2
0: million to make. And so when it only made $6 million at the box office, it was technically a hit. But, you know, a technical hit that also no one bothered to see. So it was you know?
1: the unsubscribed of its day. Yeah. The movie is based on a
0: play written by the Fire Sign Theater A comedy troupe formed in Yale comprised of white intellectuals that did a lot of bits on NPR. I know of them, but I don't really care. Yes. I think I've heard them throughout my years, but it's always been that thing of like... I I, I used to do a lot of community theater in like Tempe and Mesa and Scottsdale, Arizona, like in my teens and 20s. And one time some uh, white college boy picked me up from uh downtown phoenix to take me to the theater and he was like a listening to some skit and i go what are you listening to what is this and he's like oh it's a prairie home companion it's hilarious have you heard it and i it it took a lot to say i haven't heard it because this is white shit yeah and i am a 19 year old mexican boy I have not heard this before yes. and there's always been things in like certain categories that I've, I've like, no, I've never sat down and listened to the fire sign theater. I yes. know of them, but I, I couldn't
1: tell you anything they've done other than America Though. I, I have probably heard sketches or bits of sketches where I would be watching something, some sort of a documentary and all of a sudden Fireside theater gets thrown in there. And now we're doing a little, a little five, 10 minute bit on Fireside theater, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I've even watched a whole documentary about them. So just little skits that I've come through along the way. Now let's face facts. Okay. Culturally, they're about as significant as who the fuck are they? Bob and Ray, the famous comedy team that nobody ever heard of from the from, yeah. like, from like the '60s. Chris yeah. Elliott from the Letterman show was one of their kids. No, Chris yeah. Elliott, so culturally irrelevant that you could barely remember their kid. <laughs> I'm and we're gonna... struggling to say exactly who they are. Fireside Theater is basically in that same fucking category. I'm just going to come out and say it. Cabin Boy
0: is not so bad it's good. It's so bad it's shit. Okay. Cabin Boy is a horrible fucking movie and I cannot stand. I saw it the day it came out. In an AMC theater in Glendale, Arizona, and I've seen it maybe one or two times after that. But it's just there are people there. Oh, Cabin Boy, Chris Elliott. Have you seen Cabin Boy? And I'm like, I have. I'm not going to see it again. It's horrible. Yes, it is a horrible, horrible film. And and like it, like it's. Like, I feel the same way about Zoolander. Yeah, I like, like Zoolander. We,
1: no, I'm not gonna watch that again. No, I'm good. Saw it once. I'm fine. We're although, good. although I I watched Zoolander, I tried to watch Zoolander once recently. Okay, but in the beginning of Zoolander, as they're kind of building him up as this male model, celebrity type person, you know, and they're going off and they're interviewing various real people to talk about Derek Zoolander, different fashion designers and everything. And right in my, in the middle of my enjoyment of, the day of this movie, there's fucking Trump talking about Derek Zoolander. Oh, like, Jesus I don't Christ. fucking need this. Like, I feel the whole movie has been goddamn hijacked now. And I yeah. try to calm down. And I'm explaining it to Jeannie. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of explaining it to her, like, what happened and how... how like it was like one of those fright films. Like they, you're watching a you're watching a video. It's a nice, pleasant oh, uh, field, and wheat is blowing, and all of a sudden, the zombies in your face. That's what it felt like. And while I'm explaining to to her, they're doing the whole award show, and they cut the fucking Trump sitting in the in the audience. Like you, okay, you got me twice. I am turning off this movie now.
0: That's it. <sighs> The only reason that I would watch Zoolander is because I am fascinated with Billy Zane's career choices. (laughs) Because the way that, the way that I see it, it's like, okay, I'm going to be in this movie. It's called Titanic. James Cameron's a serious director and I'm going to be in this film. And then suddenly like this character actor who wanted to do serious things was suddenly, perhaps accidentally in, the highest grossing movie in the history of movies. Yeah. The greatest film of all time, winning all awards, and suddenly Billy Zane is everywhere, and Billy Zane is like a heartthrob who can star in any movie. And so Billy Zane said, okay, I'm going to do the exact opposite of Titanic. Get me an unfilmed Ed Wood script. Yeah. Yeah. And so he went from Titanic to I woke up early the day I died, and from that point on, I said, "Okay, Billy Zane, I never liked you, but God damn it, do I respect you?" <laughs> you know, and it's like it's like, uh, it's like uh, okay, Billy Zane, I'm gonna keep an eye on you because you're yeah. obviously you obviously don't care about fame because. I, because, I, I mean, I saw the Phantom. You obviously yeah. don't care about fame
1: if you wore that outfit. He just always strikes me as like a Hollywood scene kid. You know, I mean, I absolutely know nothing about his background or anything else, but I would guess that he was born in and around the area of Hollywood, you know, and, yeah. like, and like hung out on the strip and got to know everybody. You, you know, can see So him like he's good friends. Yes, you can see with Walking Phoenix mm-hmm. and and uh, fucking Johnny Depp, and then going to spend the rest of the evening banging to- uh, Paris Hilton. Yeah. You know, that's just how yeah. he strikes me. You know, scores some meth off off of Edward Furlong. You know, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, like like so he's like not really. Famous for anything yeah Yeah. you know like he's not famous for being in in titanic he's not famous for being in tombstone but he could have been famous
0: for for being in titanic if he followed that up with other bigger parts but he specifically said damn it everyone's looking at me now fuck it I'm going to do these shitty movies for a while. And like, I feel like the fact that he's not super famous was specifically his, like he could have been a after Titanic. He could have been a leading man and he could have been like a superstar. Specifically said, the last thing I want to do is become a superstar. Fuck it.
1: Yeah. But even if he wanted to, he couldn't because there seems to be a societal level of zaneness that we can take at any given time. And like he gives us just the right amount of Zaneness. Because, like, let's face facts, man. Any more Billy Zane is way overstaying. you fucking welcome. Yeah. You know, I always
0: I always felt that Billy Zane was just a a a more sanitized version of the Crispin Glover story. Where Crispin <laughs> Crispin Glover was like I'm happy to be sort of on the fringes and be in these movies and I'll take this part and 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 and And, oh shit Back to the Future was a huge hit I don't know what to do fuck it I'm gonna dress as a clown and release a concept album and I'm gonna fuck a dwarf and fuck it (laughs) and so Billy Zane was like the same thing but it replaced Back to the Future with Titanic yeah even though they were both in Back to the Future, which is a strange connection, but uh, replaced Back to the Future with Titanic, and he's just, you know, uh, yes, Eleanor.
1: the days when we games say no dead games.
0: Yeah, I don't like you guys playing any games where people die. Yeah,
1: but Maslow's...
0: That's always been the rule, no dead games.
1: Maslow is playing a game with me. I'm
0: not trying to do that. You're not trying to play a dead game?
1: No. We all oh, cause can no, you cut me with the with no, the sword? Uh no. just because
0: Maxwell cuts you with a pretend sword doesn't mean that you're dying. Maybe it's just it's Eleanor. Eleanor, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Okay? When Maxwell cuts you with the sword, you look at him and you say this, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> okay that's what you say Mama. say that out loud say that with say that out loud say it's just a flesh wound because that means that you've been cut but you're not gonna die because you're super strong you're the black Knight you're fine I got nothing else from Americathon do
1: you bunny? there's there's not tons of there's... I mean we could certainly bring out little pieces of it here and there but but much like the film itself why yeah <laughs> you know? uh, so, so it, it was like- uh, i i i think the movie i think this is a case where a movie has aged better than the movie is itself yeah yeah i can see that because it's, it's got a pack of nobodies <laughs> that nobody would have given a shit about at the time. That's yeah. really fun to see again. And that's the best part of the movie. Everything else can be put aside for that point. Like, if I was going to give one reason for you to watch this movie, it would be something like, dude, it's got so many faces. you got to see it. Okay. Here is, that's a good reason
0: for you to say to someone, here's why you should see America Thumb. Here's my reason why I think people should watch America Thumb. Never in my life did I ever think that I would say out loud, I kind of miss Eddie Money. (laughs) (laughs) Like I never like, I'm not the person that would ever say that. But suddenly I'm like, God damn! I kind of miss any Money, <laughs> and that's an impressive statement for me to have made. You know, a
1: little frightening may have.
0: Yeah, like like a uh, you see you see Footloose, and you go. Kenny Rogers can burn in a fiery pit of hell. (laughs) No, Kenny Loggins. Sorry. Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins can burn in hell. I want Kenny Loggins to be uh, burned at the stake like a witch in Salem, Massachusetts. Okay. She can rot in hell for all eternity. But then you see Caddyshack and you go, all right then uh yeah kenny loggins is all right this movie <laughs> made me think eddie money is not that bad yeah and that's an impressive statement so, yes, it is. so that's all i've got for this week what i was going to do was follow up Americathon stop moving this super loud thing around and stop stop touching this okay but but don't move it around just leave it there okay i was going to follow up Americathon with the next logical choice which would be the movie First Family okay the movie where Bob Newhart is the president and the the first daughter is Gilda Radner and i believe fred willard is like the vice president or something like that and it made sense to do that movie next because you know it's fred willard in the white house again but this one's a more serious take on it but then i said but then i realized that what i've been doing is i've been trying to change time periods yes a movie from 2004 now let's go to the 80s now here's a movie from 2002 now let's go to the 70s and that's what i've been trying to do and first family i believe came out a year or two after americathon so i couldn't do it so instead we're doing a very bizarre choice okay um have not seen this film. I have no information about this film. It is an extremely 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 low budget indie film that was written, produced, and directed and starring some guy. Okay. And it's from 2006 and it's called I'll Believe You. And as far as I can tell, it's about some uh, radio show guy who I don't know finds out that aliens exist or something like that and Fred Willard's in it somehow and the thing is that the the genius of Fred Willard is that he's in huge movies and he's also in shit no one has ever seen yeah you know and that's the genius of Fred Willard that hey I'm starring in this Christopher Guest comedy after this I'm gonna be in some guy's indie film <laughs> that he filmed for maybe a million dollars if he's lucky yeah. and like that's the good thing about fred will he's like he will be a supporting character in a big budget hollywood movie but also hey you're a small-time indie director and you're making the small-time indie film you give me scale i'll do it <laughs> So i have no idea what this movie is even about but we're watching it it's called i'll believe you it's on the shared cough cough it's from 2006 okay so it's fairly new and we're doing that next week what it's about fuck if i know but we're doing that next week
1: i am but, i am down yeah i, I am, am guess- interested.
0: Yeah, that you want to tell Bunny something? Okay, tell Bunny something, Bunny. Eleanor. Bunny. Yes.
1: Dad always have some beers and.
0: Gifts. D- Dad does not always have some beers. You're gonna call the child services on me. Well, Dad. <laughs> well, Dad has two beers today, and he. Uh, Dad and Mom. Dad
1: and Mom have some
0: beers. <laughs> you are. Okay. Making me sound so horrible right now, but okay, continue. This is so called this
1: being is our, a snitch, right? And
0: dad, this dad is our stone cold lids off. dad takes the lids off. Yeah, this is a stone cold Steve dad, Austin uh b- bottle opener f- from uh last century, and, and it's a magnet. And uh-huh. so, uh, throw them on there,
1: okay? Okay, so
0: we down. gotta really put this camera down, okay?
1: And we there you go. Yeah, you're really wait, ratting me out. Wait till you learn about neutrinos.
0: Now I know how Robert De Niro's character felt at the end of Goodfellas. <laughs> you're really Henry Hilling me right now. So I just downloaded that movie. So oh that's, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something, an ad lib scene. Shit. Okay. The only reason to see Zoolander is there's a scene where David Duchovny is finally explaining the plot of why they use male models. And he does this big, massive speech at the end of the movie. And then uh, Stiller has a line but when it came time to do his line, uh, David Duchovny had talked for so long that Ben Stiller forgot what his next line was. So David Duchovny talks for like minutes for so long about why they use male models. And Ben Stiller just ad lib and goes, but why use male models? <laughs> and it's a total ad-lib. And David Duchovny's answer is just 100% accurate realistic like are are you serious i just i just explained that to you <laughs> I just, were you listening to a word i said and that's the only reason to see it because it's so pure yes it's just fucking ben stiller forgetting his lines so next week we're doing the movie i'll be there mia khalifa We'll actually be talking more about the movie A Marathon in a in a weird way, and maybe some more Closterman questions because that was fun. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, the highs
1: and the lows, um, finger banging Mary. Yes, that's a great that's a great band name. We got to give it that one. Yeah,
0: finger banging Mary. That's really good. Uh, The Big Book of Racism. The movie unsubscribed. I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode.
1: I think this has been a damn good episode. A okay. damn good episode. Good. I feel the same way, but I didn't want to uh, to say that because I didn't want to step on
0: your toes. I feel that that's your decision to make. But yes, I, I, I concur
1: with your assessment. Good, sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And
0: I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Maxwell and Natasha and definitely Eleanor and everybody else in the house, I can see Maxwell. Don't wake up Bella for this. <laughs> you be Bella, okay? You be Bella. Put this towel over your head. You be Bella. I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. You godless heathens. You poopy toots and... Douche waffles and poopy toots. Know you your lines. Douche waffles and poopy toots. <gasps> poopy poop! And you... And you
1: Power Stone? Scooby papa!
0: Do-do-do-do-do-do! papa! do 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 doo papa! Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do!
1: do cut,
0: cut and, print. and print cut
1: and print, print.